Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Okay. All right. Welcome, everybody. And uh, Tom, thank you so much for agreeing uh, to come here. I know you had to kind of move some time zones around. Ah, uh, yeah. No, that's fine. It's uh, good to be here and good to be talking to people. Yeah. All right. So why don't we start with a quick rundown: who you are, what you do, and um, and by what you do, I you know I'd love to really explore all of it. So not just Okay. the uh, job side of it but you know you also do a lot of training and you've got some gum roads and stuff like that so why don't we start with um uh, with the what you do so work so yeah work, work related i i uh work in feature film uh been working on um how long have i been in the industry for it's uh seven and a half years i've been in the industry but Feature films, I've been working on them for about five years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it's it's been pretty good. And I'm uh, I'm kind of I'm basically considered a generalist because I do I do a multitude of things. I started my career at uh, Luma Pictures, and at Luma Pictures, I had to it's it, because it's a small studio. They hire um, fewer people, but most people are generalists. Yeah. And so you need to be able to do a lot of different things. Whereas right now I'm at Weta and at Weta uh, I'm more specialized and I applied for an, a number of jobs at Weta, but they just picked me up for texturing. So, and yeah, I just took it. That's awesome. So is, did you work at Luma over there in Santa Monica? No, no, I didn't. I, I started in their Melbourne studio in okay. Australia, just, just as they opened it. So they'd only been open a a month or two and yeah. And then I started there and worked there for four and a half years. So today you are a texture artist. Well, I, I'm a texture artist, uh, at Weta, but I don't consider myself like solely a texture artist, but yes, that, that, that's primarily what I, I do it. At Weta. that yeah, that, that's my position. That's great, and and I totally get that. So because you know, as artists, you're working the whole spectrum, um, especially when yeah. texture is like such a small uh, part of that. Um, yeah. So uh, can you describe what that is? Because uh, a lot of people in here are familiar with games, and in games, of course, you know, you know this. It's like you know, you're not you. Texturing is just one part of what everybody's expected to do. So tell me what that yeah. means when you're dealing with that in in terms of feature film. What do you end up doing? Um, so I'll be, uh, delivered an asset, which, um, has UVs. And then I basically just go through the process of, uh, creating all of the maps, whether it be color displacement bump, as well as masks, because masks can be used in the, uh, in the look dev process. So yeah, I'm just required to deliver all these things. And then that goes on to look dev and then they, can put it all together for for the final film so how do you yeah how do you deal with materials when you're dealing with the uh, texturing because you know you're you're creating the texture but then isn't texture and material kind of linked up 
Yeah, so it, it depends. Uh, it depends on like the workflow of the studio, but mm-hmm. uh, materials can either be assigned by uh, masks or by uh, geometry selection. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, in my personal work and in my personal workflow, I prefer to do it uh, strictly through masks just because it, it makes uh, the look dev process a bit, a bit more, I'm, I'm a bit OCD with that sort of stuff. And so it makes it a bit more um, manageable, I find. But yeah, it, it just depends on where you work. It can be different, but um, yeah. Okay. All right. And uh, so when you're talking about ma- uh, textures and maps and, and things of that nature, what software yeah. are you using? I use Mari for, for texturing. That's great. And are you doing like diffuse, albedo? Is it a PBR? Like, you know, how, what kind of setup? Because I know for a lot of people, you know, it's like, do, am I working a diffuse map? What's happening now in the industry? Um, well, I find it, like in my, in my own work, going to trying to come up with ways of working more uh, realistically, I think is the way to go. Like one thing that I've really uh, been looking into recently is a lot of maps, you can cheat specular roughness using a specular roughness map, but mm-hmm. really in, in, in real life, a lot of the time, the roughness of the surface is due to displacement and displacement intensity. And so mm. the roughness is on like how many little bumps and things there are. Yeah. So I'm trying to create that sort of look uh, through that mentality of creating stuff more physically rather than um, relying on a map to kind of cheat it. Hmm. And what does that mean creating it more physically? Uh, like with, with the displacement, so sculpting. So if you if you had a uh, no, not sculpting it, but even just um, getting, you can either do it procedurally through mm-hmm. noises if you need to get like, so yeah, if it was a rougher surface, and say you had like a, a industrial piece of plastic or something like that, and it has, and if you look very very closely at it, it has all these little um, round nubs on it. Yeah. And so then if you run a high frequency noise over a surface using displacement, it will actually displace that surface and then give it that rough look while keeping specular at 100% and 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 maybe not 100% gloss but w- without having to use a roughness map to determine these things. Mm, that's a really great point. And so the alternative, and because I know we're getting quite technical here, but the alternative is yeah. somebody goes in there and they kind of fake the roughness here and there, which is really just yeah, you, faking you, the displacement. The the Exactly. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it'll just be a black and white map, which is used to to work out, oh, this area is more, more reflective and this area is more dull. And yeah. so... I'm playing with ways in my personal work to to generate those looks, but on a more realistic level, which means if you zoom in on an object, if you have to have a, say if an asset comes close to camera, it still holds up realistically. Yeah. So yeah, it's just little things like that, which I'm looking into like lately. All right. Well, th- we jumped right into the technical, folks. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I hope you're that. still following along. That's <laughs> my fault. Um, but it was good because, you know, I, I wanted to get a little insight into, you know, what what's the language in this area. And so, you know, for some yeah. people, this won't make sense. But um, 
a texture artist, your job is basically like, what, what do you end up painting nowadays? Do you end up painting props or characters or environments or, you know, what kind yeah, of stuff? Can you give us an example? Yeah, it's been a mixture of things. Uh, like I worked on Rampage recently at yeah. Weta mm -hmm. and I, yeah, I had, I had the um, opportunity to work on um, multiple like hero vehicles. Uh, yep. I also helped out on the big lizard character. Um, uh, what else? Yeah, main, mainly vehicles and and Lizzie, the the, the crocodile character. But um, yeah, I I did like the A10, and so actually a good a good um. Uh, yeah, so I worked on the A10, the jet. If you've seen the film, it's it's also in the trailer. But uh, it was my job as the texture artist to go through and. I had to paint on all of the rivets and all of the uh, all of the panel uh, panel edges, and mm -hmm. I looked at really uh, detailed reference. And right. so, and I was very particular about like how many rivets are along this edge of the panel, and 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 doing all the decals and stuff like that. That's basically the job of a texture artist. Got it. What got you into this profession? Um, just, uh, well, it's actually funny. I went to university, mm -hmm. uh, to do traditional 2d animation cause I enjoyed drawing. Yeah. Animation and, too traditional. Yeah. Like how long ago did you go yeah. to school? Uh, eight years ago. All right. But, um, yeah. So that they just switched from traditional to uh, digital. So mm -hmm. they were doing it in Toon Boom. Yeah. Um, and so I did that and I actually found it very frustrating and I just, yeah, I just didn't really, it didn't come to me as, as quickly and, and I didn't, I really just didn't enjoy sitting down and slaving over frame by frame. And yeah. then uh, the course kind of split into 3D as well. And they gave us a little taste of 3D at the end of the first year because I, I was about to quit u university mm. and I did, um, yeah, I, I did this little taste of Maya um, and I created this really basic uh, roller coaster and got a good mark for it. And I really, really found I, I was really interested in that sort of work yeah. and I had no idea about it at that point in time. So, uh, yeah, and I just went on from there and started self-teaching myself through resources on the on the web and mm -hmm. just got my skills up and until I got picked up by Luma Pictures. So what was your first encounter with ZBrush like? Um, yeah, a lot of people say that they find the interface and, and the workflow really difficult. Yeah. But I, I found I picked it up uh, pretty easily, even though it's it, it like the interface is very different to Maya. Mm -hmm. But it I don't know, it came pretty organically to me. So I don't really understand when people say like, oh, I really struggle with working it all out. But I found like what once you get you learn the basics and things like that, it's pretty easy. And then as I would go on, I would watch tutorials for specific things to the point where now I feel really confident with the software. Yeah, that's great. And so maybe um, I think one of the things that you could help us um, figure out, especially since you have such a, a, a vast kind of command over the, the whole kind of pipeline here for characters. Yeah. Um, 
what are how does character let's say how does texture artist fit into the spectrum of jobs and you know what are some of the different responsibilities so you talked about how a texture artist is you know you're you're there basically your job is to create maps on either those are like diffuse or specular or displacement or or even just masks um yes and then uh, so that's one part of it but what else is it um what other jobs are there that kind of go around there and that are supportive? And maybe even what are some of the jobs that might, if somebody's kind of more in the entry level, that might help them get into those positions? Hmm. Um, really, uh, I guess entry level stuff is is more. Um, you're more working with like these days with the way technology's gone. Um, yeah you get a, a lot of scans so from production so mm -hmm. on set they'll they'll scan a character and then um you'll have to go in and then actually at the moment working at weta like i'll i'll get uh projected textures uh i'll get like the model from models and then i'll get the scan and then mm -hmm. we overlay them and then transfer the maps and process that and so that's it's it's not really it's not that technical. You basically just not need to know what buttons to hit and that's kind of how it goes. So it's normally a job which is given to more junior artists. Um, but that's also a difficult thing to try out at home unless you know how to do photogrammetry and and um, rebuild from photos a, a mesh using, um, uh, I think it's called capturing reality or reality capture mm -hmm. is, is a pretty good tool for that. But yeah, we'll do a lot of rebuilding and reprojecting, and then we'll have to go in and actually clean up where uh, there might be overlaps with other objects or there are crevices where the projection didn't quite get to. And we'll have to uh, build the maps based on uh, that information that we got from the scans. So, uh, and then if we don't have a scan for something, that's where you have to go in and use your skills and creativity of painting something from scratch and starting from a base and then adding the layers of details and complexity that are that you might find on a on a real world object obviously mm -hmm. using references and stuff like that so yeah just it it kind of depends but i think if you have if you want to start if you want to become a texture artist in the uh in the feature film industry i think just having a really solid uh knowledge base of mari and how Mari works, and um, yeah, you can. It, that'll take you a long way because I there are a lot. There aren't that many schools out there. I don't think that are even teaching Mari, so it's it's kind of difficult to 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 learn. But there is some stuff out there online, and and I I used a lot of that content to to learn how to how to use it. Yeah, Mar. I mean, you get it. You're getting more about substance painter, um, and Mari is definitely some, yeah. something that's up and coming. But it is so specific to feature film. You know, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Definitely. All right. Um, so that's the texturing side, which also involves a lot of scan processing, things of that nature. What else um, do yep. we have? What other jobs are out there for people who are aspiring um, for this? Now, you know, a lot of the people that I talk to. In this conversation is like is game artists so their character their environment sure. um something of that nature uh, what other options are out there uh, for people uh so are you saying specific specifically for texturing or just like a foot in the door for feature film 
I, you know, it might, it's kind of both. So I understand that in texturing, we're talking about, you know, there's definitely working with scan data and, you know, some of that processing. I've known plenty of people to, to get in that way. But yeah, what yeah. other ways are there that people can get their foot in the door? Like imagine, for example, somebody here um, is in mobile games and they're they're wanting to, you know, they're leveling up their career. They're getting their professional skills up. They're definitely mastering texturing and, and some high resolution modeling and all that stuff. Um, what are some of the ways that they can apply that? Some small jobs or things that might help them get in. Hmm. Um, well, like I think to, to get into the, what, cause I, I get emails quite a lot of people sure. saying like, Oh, how can I get into the industry and things like that? Yeah, And really, like, if I was to turn back the clock and um, reapply again and, and go, go through the whole pro process with what I know now, yeah. I would really just try try my best to create something which looks realistic. Because, because like, it, uh, yeah, like a project which looks as realistic as I possibly can make it. Because in feature film, where always trying to make something look real and sit in sit in shot and if you can display that in a portfolio and really it can just be one piece like if you just focus on one portfolio piece and make it as real as you possibly can and then you show that to an art director or whoever might be employing you at a company yeah and they like the level of realism you've achieved then they know that you should be able to achieve that for other other things that may be on a project, whether it be a, an environment or a prop. And so what I would suggest is doing an environment with, say, a prop in it. Maybe it's a crashed car. Maybe it's a train. Maybe it's just anything, really. But as long as you can get across that you understand what it takes to make something look realistic and you know, like, all the fine details you need to add, and it takes a lot of practice, but um, yeah. if... Yeah, if you can get to that level, I think that's the easiest way to get your foot in the door because a lot of the time it's it's really based on portfolio. Like a lot of the time they don't really they don't really care where you've worked previously or like it does help to have uh, some feature films under your belt. But if you have nothing, then um, yeah, that's I think that's the best way to get in. Got it. Okay, great feature. Um Work is important and producing one piece. That's a kind of interesting topic because one of the things that I do in the boot camp is focus on this idea of, you know, one good solid piece. Like we had this student that really pushed this home to me, Niles, Niles Rush. And he was in mobile games and he created one character, one character, one character only. And uh, he worked on that thing for 40 hours a week for six months. He said he kind wow. of lost his mind a little bit. <laughs> yeah towards the two-thirds way point and uh and then he was telling me that in this job interview he had with the motion picture company mpc uh they only looked at that one model and they hired him right there they saw it yeah. and they're like yeah that's it you know you're in they didn't talk about any of his other work any of his mobile games nothing one piece now is that totally. an anomaly or does that totally make sense to you no, I, that, that makes total sense. I, I strongly believe it's based on um, quality over quantity. So mm -hmm. that's – if you have one really solid piece and, yeah, you can just – you can take that 
to a level which is really impressive, then I think that that'd be your best ticket to, to get in somewhere. Mm. Awesome. That's good to hear. Uh, all right. So I want to um, expand this a little bit because one of the things I think is really cool about what you do is you're not, you know, you're actually out there giving back to the community. And, and you know, actually right yeah. now as we speak, I'm, I've actually started this program I'm about to do kind of helping people know how to uh, teach online and all that kind of stuff. So okay, sure. tell me a little bit about the, the online stuff that you've been doing and the teaching because you, you teach at Gumroad. You, you put your stuff on Gumroad. Do you have anywhere else that yeah. you put your teaching? Um, there's a Chinese company who reached out to me and oh. they really liked my, my BMG tutorial and mm -hmm. they, and I, and I did a deal with them where they translated every word I say, oh. uh, to Chinese and then they're, they're selling it to the, to the Chinese audience and I get a cut. So what? yeah, I, I sell it there as well. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. So walk me through your gum road, what you do there. And what got you into um, teaching? Well, I, I just I really love uh, helping people and, and teaching people processes. Mm -hmm. uh, it just comes really naturally to me. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just I I just had these workflows that I built up while working at Luma and yeah. just things because at Luma it was a it's a very uh, fast paced high intensity workplace, which yeah. I, I really enjoy. And that meant that I had to come up with ways to quickly create um, assets. And I'd, ha and I'd have to come up with ways which I maybe had never seen before. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I just kind of breaking rules. Like what, once you get to know something well enough, you can start breaking the rules and making stuff faster but more effectively. And so I, I had a bunch of ideas and I still do right now. I just haven't had time to create more tutorials, but right. um, yeah, I just wanted to put them into video form and share them uh, with the community. And so, yeah, I just started doing that. And I, I st just started with some free ones on my YouTube because I, I don't think it's a good idea to start charging for YouTube tutorials straight away because, or your content, because, um, I was still learning about oh, what are the best practices in, in teaching and um, and also they'd just be like little short quick tips and things like that like oh this is how you sculpt a rock because I'd been sculpting rocks for six months or something at yeah. Luma and I'd, I'd come up with a, a pretty solid workflow to get a result which would get approved and put in shot so right, right. Um, yeah just little ideas and snippets like that and then it just grew bigger and bigger once I started developing bigger ideas and, and tutorials, which took a, a bit more of my time. And sometimes I'd even take like a week or two off work just to develop some of these tutorials. So, yeah. Oh, wow. That's great. What kind of um, results have you started to see uh, from doing this in, in terms of like your online presence, um, you know, just in um, your life? How has it helped? I, I think it's helped get my work out there a bit more. Uh, like, for example, this uh, free human anatomy yep. study that I, I put out. Yeah, yeah I, I decided to put it out for free just because I just thought it would be a good learning tool for people. And I spent a lot of time finessing over it. And I was like, I'll just give it out there because I, I charge for a bunch of other things. Mm -hmm. And it actually got picked up by a few places and they posted it online and then they linked my art station and I think it's like the most popular human. And if you go into art station, type in human anatomy, it's 
the second most popular post on um, on ArtStation. So I think stuff like that has brought me a lot of attention. And also yeah. a few magazines have published my um, my Big Mean Giant. I, I did like a, a write-up uh, of just like a breakdown of what the tutorial's about and then got that published in a couple of magazines. So yeah, uh, yeah I definitely think it helps with, um, with coverage and people knowing who I am. Uh, but yeah, it, it's... I didn't. I didn't start doing this for that reason. It was more for me to share my ideas and for me to get workflows and processes across to people. Got it. Um, has there been any like? Do you think it's helped the job at Weta or help you score anything specific? That, that's actually funny you say that because yeah. when I was having my interview with Weta, yeah. Uh, the guy interviewing me, he's like, oh, yeah, so I saw your tutorial. And I think he, he, he watched, because I do, I do a little trailer, which, which is on my um, YouTube account, just yeah. to show people like what they're getting and a bit of an explanation of, of the tutorial. Mm -hmm. And he flicked through it, and he actually had questions for me about the processes <laughs> that I was doing in the, in the tutorial. And yeah. he was like, oh, so why'd you do this? And, and why'd you do that? And and he asked me certain questions based on workflows that I was showing. And so I uh -huh. thought that was really interesting that he took interest to that and then was quizzing me about stuff that I was doing in the tutorial because it, I think in the end it actually gave him an idea of how I work. It's, he, he's not just seeing the final product. He was actually seeing like processes that I use, which were actually very similar to how Weta worked. And so then that made me an even better candidate. Oh, man, that's genius. That's yeah, great. So it it did work out in a in a positive sense. That's awesome. I th and that's something I think you know because a lot of people are wondering you know do I create tutorials or not or videos and what do I have to share and all of that. But I mean everybody's learning, so that's really cool to hear that the guy interviewing yeah. you actually like he's checking these things out himself. You know he probably wasn't yeah, necessarily yeah. looking just for Tom Newberry, but he's just looking to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah, so tell me um, right now, what are some of the skills, like the industry skills, industry-specific things that people really need to focus on? Because I see you've done Mari, you've got XGen. Um, there's a lot of stuff that you focus on. What are the things that you think are most important for people thinking to get into either film or games, you know, at this point? Well, I, I think uh, there, there is a little bit of a difference between the two, just, mm -hmm. but I, I think a lot of stuff is going towards realism these days yeah. and something that i think about a lot is i think technology is obviously going towards vr and i think it's going to come a time where vr is going to it's going to be it's going to be a lot about realism like trying to yeah. create create realistic environments obviously we have to wait for technology to catch up to that level but i think for, for me i yeah, I, I think it's different for a lot of people, but for me, it's subtleties in details, whether it be in an, in the anatomy of a character or uh, in the textural detail of a surface and things like that. I, I really think the details is what drives the quality of 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 work, if if that makes sense. Yeah, totally does. And, yeah. So, and so, what does that mean? Like, can you show us one of your pieces and just break down what that means to to have a okay. deeper level of focus? And especially when we're talking texture, because there, I you know, 
I'm sure that's probably one of the single most important um, skills for somebody to have is make sure that you are paying attention to the details. Yeah. So like this skull here, yeah. I, I was really happy with how this turned out. Mm -hmm. um, and originally when I rendered this, I had the scale of the specular roughness, which are these micro scratches on the surface. I had it slightly too large, like just because it, it's just a tileable which is projected over the surface to make right. a really quick turnaround. And um, and I just made the, the texture a bit smaller and, and closer to like more of a realistic level of detail. Yeah. And I just found it really, even though it was such a subtle change, it just brought the whole piece together and just made it look a lot more... Uh, a lot more pleasing and so it's just little things like that which which really which i think ma can make or break a piece like i think i on this piece here this one was a bit more of a rough one but just the scale of these scratches on the surface here mm -hmm. i just don't think they look as convincing like especially up here can you see what i'm pointing yeah totally a little bit thicker yeah. yeah it's a little bit thicker and it just it just loses it a bit like you and you might not even like perceive that when yep. you look at the piece, but mm. it's just it's just there in the back of your mind, and it's just it's one little thing. But when I adjusted it for the skull render and got this really nice oh, yeah. sort of brushed look to it, it just looks way more realistic. And so it's just little. It's it comes down to little things like that, which can can just completely change the game. And uh, I might be looking at uh, um, people's work on ArtStation and I'll see just little things like that. And I'm like, oh, I reckon if they just increase the frequency of that texture or or um, increase that displacement a little bit more, they would have got a more pleasing result. Even though it might be like a minuscule amount difference, it just, it just can change the look of something. So I think really focusing on details mm. and really looking at things around you in the real world like try try to be try to be really um yeah just try look at different surfaces and and things like that like oh yeah it's it's a bit it, it you can go pretty deep with it but i i just really like to observe stuff in nature and and stuff in the real world which i then try bring back to my own work I got it. Yeah, that's great. That's a really good point. And um, one of the things that, you know, I like to point out to people is that you can usually, you know, unless it's really well done, you can usually tell when something's like a fake or it's a knockoff of a Gucci bag yeah. or it's a knockoff. Totally. Of yes. Lungs, right. And so what is it that tells us that? And this is kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, more than you think, right? There's this like subconscious, something's not right. I don't feel this. I feel like yes. something's not right. And um, and that is like one of those things. If you can nail that in some work, then you you know you've really made something that makes you a candidate for a job. I feel. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Is there any software that you think is relevant? Like, do people have to know Mari, or you know, can they get industry um, training? You know, how does that work? Um, if we're talking about textures, textures. Yeah. Um, Mari is is very important when it comes to feature film just because it can it drives a lot of it, it's because it can handle so many UDIMs and as yeah. I was just saying about in the details and the resolution and things like that um, you can work at what much bigger um, resolutions and so like I might be working on an asset and it's a car and it has 
um, 50, or maybe not 50, let's say 20 UDIMs uh, at 4K each. And so that's a ridiculous amount of detail, but that means that that would be for a hero vehicle. And so that means that if we have a close up on the side door of the car, it is still going to hold up in shot. Um, whereas I'm not sure, I, I really actually want to look at Substance Painter because they just updated a multi UDIM workflow, which apparently can handle quite, um, quite a lot of resolution. Oh, wow. And so I kind of, I, I kind of disregarded it uh, originally because it was only a single UDIM. And in yeah. my in my line of work, I was like, oh, that doesn't really apply to me. But now that they've released this, I'm very, very interested in getting into it and really working out how it, how it works because it may potentially replace Mari if it turns out to be a faster workflow and, and a better process. So... I wouldn't disregard uh, substance substance painter at all, um, but at the moment, Mari is definitely the it is the primary use tool uh, for getting realistic high resolution textures for film. And for those who might not know, um, do you have an easy way that you could explain what a UDIM is? Um, so, if you ah oh, okay, so a UV uh, for those of you. Um, that don't know what a UV is, it's basically an unwrap of of a model. So a really gory way to explain this is if you get your face and you cut around your neck and then cut over the top and and then lay and then peel the skin off and lay it out flat on the ground, that's basically what a UV is of the face. So preferably you're, you're basically unwrapping not your own it. face, but you know. Yeah, preferably. <laughs> Yeah, preferably not your own face. Yes. Maybe yeah, somebody else. And so then that'll be a UDIM. And then you can then have multiple um, UDIMs. And so, and you can go infinite. You can have an infinite number of them. But basically, it's just, it's just the unwrapping of the model laid out in a way that you can then tap texture in a, in a 2D environment if need be. But the way Mari works is you can actually paint directly on the surface so yeah. of the 3D model. And you, you can switch between the two. So, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, same like substance. And now we know um, what your other job would be if you weren't a CG artist. So we're very glad you're a CG artist. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Tell me about branding, you know, uh, because you got a cool logo, all that stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, so talk to me about branding and how you've kind of established yourself as a as an artist out there. Um, I didn't really, I didn't think too much about branding. I was always obsessed with coming up with a logo for myself for some reason. Like even when I was in in primary school. So no way. Uh, and then just yeah, just 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 because like you know kids would like draw graffiti in their books and stuff like that and i'd i'd always be trying to come up with a way to get t and n to look cool together and i could never come up with something i love that. and then one day one day i just modeled a cube with an n and a t in um in maya and i yeah i just came up with this design and then um my girlfriend she's a digital designer and yeah. i just sent her some some images that i just cuz i i i literally rendered this logo out of Maya just using flat shades oh, and then sweet. she then took it and then turned it into a, a, a voxel and then I could use that for anything. So 
yeah, I just came up with that logo and I, I really liked it. And I, I never really thought about creating a brand for myself, but mm -hmm. I think if you do want to do that and w which I have kind of done in this process yeah. is you just have to keep your same, you got to keep your name the same wherever you put it online mm -hmm. so that people can always relate back to it. Cause I've seen some people and they'll have a different name somewhere and then a different name somewhere oh, else. That and that's really me nuts. for people. Yeah, exactly. And then, so you need to keep your name consistent and then, yeah, it, it helps to come up with a cool logo. And then I just use that logo everywhere. I use it on my website, on my Instagram, on my art station. Um, yeah, I just use it anywhere I can. Where, where it's a professional setting where I'm displaying my work. Got it. And how important is social media to you now? Um, as we do this, I'm actually looking up your Instagram. But uh, how oh, important yeah. is social media to you and, and to the job and to connecting with people and all that good stuff? Well, it's it's actually really funny. Um, I, I kind of wasn't that interested in Instagram for the longest time. I yeah. was – like all my all my friends were on it, and and th these are people who aren't creatives, and they were like, oh, why don't you get on Instagram? Like you should get on, and and I'm like, oh no, I don't I don't have time for that sort of stuff. And right. then one day I just noticed that a lot of artists who I follow personally were moving onto that platform, and uh, and I would constantly go on there, and they would post stuff on there and nowhere else, and I was like, oh, how can I like. I don't know, like this or comment on it if I'm not a part of that community. So I then ended up signing up for, for um, Instagram. And this and, and yeah, I just started posting my work and then and then I started to kind of test myself and start posting daily. And uh, I don't do it every day, but I just try to wake up in the morning before work, do a couple of hours. And then um, post, and my, my, my plan is to post something on eight o'clock, which is when I shut down and then head to work. Um, and yeah, I just started getting on a roll and now I'm in a position where I'm in a, in a, I'm in a routine, which is the easiest way to do it is to get into a routine. So you got to do it all the time. And then you just wake up like clockwork, do some work. And, and it just means that I'm getting stuff done. And I'm also building a bigger following as well. So mm -hmm. it's, 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 less, it's actually less about, at the moment, it's less about getting a following and it's more about me just practicing. And, this, and knowing that I have an audience who is somewhat expecting me to post something, it kind of really drives, drives me to just sit down and get something done because – before I got onto Instagram, I'd really struggle with the whole process of sitting down, starting something fresh or working on something old or whatever. I just really struggled with that getting started part. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm in such a routine of wake up at six, uh, quickly get ready in whatever way I need to, and then just start working and work for an hour and a half to two hours. And, um, and then just getting that little pocket of work done for the day, I feel so much more fulfilled and oh, yeah, it's yeah. just good to get something out. It's great. That's great. Um, I started doing that about a, a month ago, a little bit more regular than usual and man, it just makes the day yeah. so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Just nice. So, uh, is it, that mean you're more of a morning person or what about working late at night? Cause I know a lot of us, CG yeah. people, you know, we get into that crunch and then you, you have to wake up late and it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. I, I, I am lucky enough to be one of those uh, crazy morning people. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I find it really easy to wake up in the morning. Um, but because I wake up early, 
I I kind of burn out like in at, at night time. So yeah. as the other thing is in the morning, I just feel so much more creative. Like I can get into the zone yeah. so much faster in the mornings than I can in the afternoons or at night. It's just, it's almost instant. Like I'll just get into ZBrush and start working and I'll be playing some music and I'll be in the zone. But if I come home at night and I'll, I'll continue working on something that I started in the morning and it'll just, I don't know, I just won't be able to get there and everything I'm doing, it's just not really looking the way I want it to. And the contrast between how, how my personal work is in the morning and, and in the afternoon is night and day. So I yeah. really like to focus my time in the mornings. But it just depends uh, on the person, I think. I don't think it's the same for everyone. So, um, yeah, it's just what works for you and, and figuring that out. That's great. All right. We're getting to that phase, guys, where we got some questions. It's going to get time for you to ask um, some questions first to get some um, stuff in there. Uh, but, um, Tom, if I was to ask you, what is, you know, one thing that an aspiring 3D artist could focus on? And I know we probably already actually hit this, but I just want to be real clear about it. What's like one thing that they could focus on that's just going to increase their chances of, of nailing that job or, or just making themselves a candidate for a job? Uh, I think personal work is a huge deal. Mm. Um, just making sure that you're working on your skills and refining your workflows and, and things like that. Just really, yeah. And, and trying to get, try to get to your work daily. Like try, even if it's just a quick hour or a qu even a quick half an hour, just daily, just do something because Every, every little bit of work you put in goes towards uh, where you'll eventually get to, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, you just need to put in that little bit of extra effort every day. Because, for example, at the moment, I do absolutely no sculpting at work. But sculpting is my favorite thing to do. And mm -hmm. so I just make sure I do that at home every day. And even though I'm doing a job right now where I don't sculpt at all, I think my sculpting has actually progressed in the last year that I've been at Weta, even though, yeah, I'm, I'm only doing that in my personal time, which is realistically two hours a day. And so, and, and that's if I get to the, those two hours, which I make, I make a point to do so. But right. um, if I wasn't doing that, I, I would be s staying stagnant. So I really think just practicing as much as you possibly can and um, yeah, just working on your skills is, probably yeah that, that that's the biggest thing all right thank you so much tom i know this is early I, it sounds like we got um we interrupted your sculpting time a little bit okay good man i really it's number one great to meet you and um and i'm really a big fan of all the educational stuff that you've been putting out i think i got your anatomy figure a bit ago that was what kind of prompted this phone call so uh, okay, great yeah thank you so much for for everything you do Okay. Yeah. And, and thanks for having me on. I, yeah, I hope some of what I said made, made some sense and, and people got something out of it. Absolutely. All right, guys, you know where to find him, Tom Newberry, and uh, he's got his own URL. He's also over there on Gumroad. So make sure you head over there and uh, load up on some resources that you'll need. And, um, and then we go from there. Have an awesome weekend. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys as well. All right. Take care, Tom. See ya. Bye. 
All right, thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I wanna ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.